Well, good morning. So, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about four things. Reflecting God's Word. Remember that? Reflecting His light. Reflecting His glory. And reflecting His love. Well, this morning, I want to talk about three more. All right? And sometimes these are tough. These are tough for me. So, you know, if you feel like, man, I'm failing in what he's talking about right now, then just recognize that I've already felt like, man, I'm failing at what I'm, you're telling me right now. <laughs> okay? And so we're all kind of in the same boat. And I know misery loves company sometimes, but this is not a boat we want to stay in. This is a boat we want to get out of. Just like Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water to get to Jesus, we need to get out of the boat of not being able to reflect the things that God calls us to reflect. And those are things that he shows to us. Those are things that he lived while Jesus Christ was here on this earth. These are things that he lived. And there are things that God gives to us every day. And we need to be a reflection. And we need to continue to reflect the attributes and the things of God. And this morning, the first one, and you can fill it out on here if you want to as we go along. The first one that we need to, that I want to talk about this morning is that we need to reflect his forgiveness. This one's a hard one for me because I don't feel so bad when somebody, let me, let me just read the scripture first. Matthew 6, 12 says, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Right? We've heard that a million times, part of the Lord's Prayer. The New Living Translation says it this way, Forgive us our sins just as we have forgiven those who have sinned against us. And church, this morning I'm saying we need to be a reflection of the forgiveness of God. We eagerly de- don't we eagerly desire God's forgiveness? Don't we want Him to forgive us? I want him to forgive us, but what he's telling us today is that the same way that we desire for him to forgive us, we need to be willing to forgive others. And man, it sounds really great and glorious, and everybody wants to say, yes, praise God, when, when I say we want to have God's forgiveness, because we do. But then when we say, but people that have sinned against you, you need to forgive them in the same way, and you go, oh, praise God. <laughs> you know, I don't know about you, but... There have been times in my life that I was really good at holding a grudge. I mean, really good at it. (laughs) Way better than I even want to admit for a long time. There was one particular person who really did some nasty things to try to mess my life up. And I was not pleased with him. Let me just say it that way. I was not happy with him. And I did not treat him well. And I did not have anything good to say about him. And yet, as I look at this, I realize that I failed in that moment of reflecting the forgiveness of God. Matthew 5, 43, through the beginning of 45, says, You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemies. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. Man, I found it a lot easier to do the first part of that. Love your neighbor and hate your enemies. And here's the thing, and and as men, I think we can probably relate to this. Do something to me, whatever. Do something to my family or somebody I love, 
And I'm like, no, that is not going to happen. That is not going to work. And I can really kind of get up in arms. When it's something against just me, then I can kind of deal with that and let that go. But when it's something against some, some member of my family or someone that I love or I care about, then I have issues with that. And I have a hard time doing the second part that says, I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be sons of the Father in heaven. I want to be a son of the Father in heaven. Don't you? He says, you want to do that? Love your enemies. Oh, that one's a tough one. Pray for those who persecute you. (laughs) And here's the worst part. Okay, because I hear it from the Holy Spirit. And how many of you know that sometimes you can just kind of ignore what God's saying to you? You know, I mean, you can ignore what God's saying to you. And I hear I've heard different times in my life. I've heard God say to those things and I'm, you know, I can kind of turn it off. But then Kathy says, so are you praying for those people? (laughs) And I'm like, dang it. (laughs) Oh my gosh, God, it's not enough that you're telling me I can ignore you, but how am I going to ignore her? (laughs) You know? That's happened many times in my life, I hate to say. Uh, We have to be willing to read on. We have to be willing to not hate our enemies, but love our enemies, and that's a tough call. I understand this morning that this is a tough call. This is a tough thing for us to do because that's not our natural self, but it's our supernatural self because it's who God is. It's our spiritual self because that's who God is. God loved his enemies, and he prayed for those who persecuted him. He calls us to do the same thing, and he doesn't, I'm telling you, reflect his forgiveness. Let it bounce off of you. The same way he forgives us, we forgive others. Let it bounce off of you. Let it be something that that hits you and you get the benefit of and you get the glory of and the great feeling of and the and the, the satisfaction of, but then it bounces off to you of you to other people. And last week Dan talked about not checking your brain at the door, right? This is something that has to come into our brain. And then travel that 18 inches to get to our heart to go out to the world. All right? Because this isn't even something that that hits your heart and then automatically goes out. Your brain has to be in action. You have to want to love your enemies. I mean, sometimes against every natural uh, reaction that you want to have, you have to want in your brain to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute with you and then let it get to your heart and through your heart, let those actions happen in your life and occur in your life and actually be a reflection of what God says to us. We must be reflections of God's forgiveness and forgive those who use us and persecute us and those who would hope for bad in our life. We need to forgive them and reflect God's forgiveness. The next one is reflect God's faithfulness. And I'll tell you, I'm not faithful to God all the time in prayer and studying his word. And even in my actions, I mean, you know, sometimes I still sin. But God was faithful. And here's the funny thing. You can't say, well, I'm mostly faithful. There is no mostly faithful. (laughs) 
You're either faithful or you're not. That's kind of saying, well, I'm, I know I might look at, I'm kind of pregnant. There is no kind of, you know, there's no mostly faithful. There's faithfulness or there's not faithfulness. And God is faithful and has always been faithful to us and will remain faithful to us. And that's something that we stand on. It's something that we rely on. It's something that we know will always be true because God will always be faithful. And we know that no matter when, we're not ever going to come to him and him say, nah, not today. Because he is faithful to us. He is faithful to hear our cry. He's faithful to work in our lives. He's faithful to touch us. He's faithful to to show us his will for our lives. And he calls us to reflect that faithfulness in our relationships. Joshua 1.9 says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. That's God's faithfulness. He tells us, listen, there's never going to be a time that you're going to be without me. There will never be a place that you can go that I will not be there. In fact, not only does he go with you, but he's there ahead of you. And many times he's there preparing the way for you. So that when you get there, everything's ready for you to be there and to have whatever influence that he's called you to have in this place. Because basically, church, what God is calling us to as we reflect these things, whether it's his word, his light, his life, or, or, or his grace, or, or his forgiveness, or even his faithfulness, he's calling us to be an influence on the world in which we live. Because many people don't see his forgiveness. They don't know his forgiveness. Many people don't see his faithfulness. They don't understand it. They don't know it. But we can reflect that and have an influence on the world, have an influence on the people that we come in contact with, have an influence everywhere we go. God says to us, I will be with you wherever we go. We need to be a reflection of God and a reflection of the relationships that we have. And, and, and we need to be a reflection of God's faithfulness in everything that we do. Luke 16, 10 through 12 in the New Living Translation says, Unless you are faithful in small matters, you won't be faithful in large ones. If you cheat even a little, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? And if you are not faithful with other people's money, why should you be trusted with money of your own? Again, it's faithful all the time. It's always faithful, whether it's a little thing or whether it's a big thing. And the bad part of this verse, as far as we're kind of concerned, is that if you don't get the little things, God's not going to bless you with the big things. We want to be blessed with the big things. Well, God, I don't know. Uh, You know, if you just bless me with those millions of dollars on that scratcher, then you'll see what I'll do with that money. I'll be faithful. I'll do it. God says, but you're not being faithful what I've given you now. Why could I believe or understand that you would be faithful if I blessed you with much? God has not chosen to give me that big lottery win. (laughs) Mostly because I don't play the lottery. (laughs) I should buy a ticket once and see if it happens. You know what I mean? I guess you got to try. You got to work at it to make it happen. Um, But he calls me to be faithful in what he has given me in whatever that is. And listen, God has blessed us greatly. And I so appreciate it. But God calls us to be faithful in each and every aspect of our lives, even the small things. 
if we're, a, if we're faithful with the small things, then he can look at us and say, you've, you're faithful with the small things. I'm going to bless you with the bigger things. And you know, it's interesting because the more God blesses us, the more we can bless others. The more we can bless others around us and the more we can have that impact that I've been talking about that we need to have in the world, that we need to be as a Christian, as a believer, as somebody who reflects God, we need to be blessing those around us. I look at all the times that Jesus blessed people around him. I mean, he prayed for, you know, was it five loaves and two fishes? Or am I getting that backwards? I think that's right. Five loaves and two fishes prayed for them and fed 5,000 men, not to mention women and children. That's a lot of folks with five loaves and two fishes. All right? God was faithful. Even he took the little thing and made big things out of it. And I believe in our reflection of God, I believe that he calls us to do the same things. What is that that you have in your hand? Give it to them. It will be multiplied to you so that you can give it to even more and so that you can bless even more. We must be faithful in all things, even the small things, or God cannot bless us with the larger things. We need to be faithful in our walk with God. Revelation 2.10 says, Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. This is not the part that we really want to look forward to, is it? Suffering is not something that we all say, Oh, God, sign me up. I'm ready to suffer. Here I am, God. Man, I've been doing so good. Life has been so great. You know, kind of like Job. Man, I have everything. I have my children. I have my wealth. I have everything that I need. I have all these worldly possessions, but God is just too much. Sign me up for suffering. That's not what we usually think, is it? I mean, is that what you usually, I don't know. Maybe I'm different from everybody. That's not what I usually think. But here's what God says. Do not be afraid of what you're about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for 10 days. Be faithful even to the point of death, and I will give you the crown of life. Have you ever backed off from talking to somebody about God because you felt like they would make fun of you? You felt like they might ridicule you? You felt like they might persecute you? Have you ever backed off from a f- reflecting God and what he's done in your life? I can tell you, I've done that. I wish I could say it was just when I was a kid and I really didn't have the security and the confidence to do, but there have been many times in my life, even as an adult, even as a pastor, I'm telling you, church, pastors are not perfect people, okay? If you think we are, then <laughs> change your mind, all right? That's all I can say. But listen, he says, do not be afraid of what you're about to suffer. Why and how can we not be afraid if we know suffering is coming? Because we go back to Joshua 1.9. He says, I will be with you wherever you go. I don't care if the devil puts us in prison. I don't care if we suffer for 10 days. I don't care if we suffer for more than 10 days. I don't care if we suffer for 10 years. The fact remains, God is with us. And he will always be with us because he is a 
faithful God. But here's what he does. He calls us to be faithful even in the midst of the suffering. I'm reminded of Paul and, and Silas, I think, when they were in prison and they began to, in, in the Philippian jail, and they began to sing hymns and about midnight all the chains broke off and all the doors flew open, but everybody stayed. Can you imagine if the prison doors all flew open now, how fast the exit from that prison would be? And it wasn't just Christians that were in that jail. There were prisoners, there were convicts, there were you know, thieves and probably murderers and whatever else crime. That jail was full of people and they all stayed. Why do you think they stayed? I believe it was because God was moving in that place because Paul and Silas were singing hymns and praise to God and they all felt the presence of God and they knew that was probably the best place they could be because God was there. Where else could they go? There's another book called Safely Home. And I love that book. I've read that book a whole bunch of times. And the story, if you've never heard that book, heard of that book or read that book, it's a story about a, a Chinese national who comes to the United States to go to college and he gets saved. And then he goes back to China expecting that he's going to do all these great things. He's going to write books. He's going to be a, a professor uh, at the university. And they find out that he's a believer and he begins being persecuted. And he ends up in jail. And I mean, a Chinese prison for being a believer, ugly place to be. But instead of being bitter, instead of being angry, instead of crying out to God and saying, God, what is it that you've done to me? What he did is he volunteered to wash out the cells of the other prisoners because he had a piece of of chalk or rock or something that he could take into their cells and while he was cleaning out their cells it gave him an opportunity to write scriptures on the wall of their prison cells and in that way he could have an influence on the lives of those other prisoners that were in there that's faithfulness we don't have to be afraid of any suffering or any persecution that's going to come our way. We don't have to be afraid that the devil may put some of us in prison to test us, and that we will suffer for 10 days. 10 days, what can that be? That's not so bad. Oh, you got a 10-day sen uh, sen sentence. Okay, well, that's not so bad. Well, yeah, there can be some pretty much ugliness in 10 days. But not only that, it says, be faithful even to the point of death. You know, I, uh, <laughs> I used to run a children's camp during the summer, and uh, I was off school, and so I was directing this children's camp, and the federal prison used to have teams of, of inmates come up before the kids got there, and they would, you know, stack wood for us, and they would do different things for us, and we were putting in a pond, and we had, you know, the liner in the pond, it was all full of water and everything, and we had to put a recirculation, you know, pump in there, and so it had this pipe that went out into the center of the pond and stuff, and, and had to get out and get connected up to the the, the pumps and everything that took it up to this little top of this little creek that we had, you know, bubbling down the water on the creek and everything just to keep uh, the water aerated for the fish and things that were in there, right? So we didn't have, we didn't, <laughs> I don't know why, but we didn't put all that piping and everything in before we put the water in. And actually the water was just overflow from our spring tank so we really didn't like turn on a spigot to start putting water in. It was just a natural flow of there. And so water started going in. So that inmate crew came up there and uh, 
you know, we asked for volunteers. Who wants to get in the water? And I mean, every one of them, there were like 10 of them, and they were like all ready to get in the water. They hadn't been in a pool in I don't know how long. They hadn't been in the water in I don't know how long, uh, whatever it was. But the thing that struck me the funniest about that whole thing was out in the middle of the pond holding that pipe out there. One of the inmates says, man, I could do 30 days standing on my head out here. And I thought, 30 days standing on your head because he's in the water and it's a great place to be, right? 30 days. And he was like, that would be nothing. And I look at that verse and I think, 10 days, that would be nothing. But what it would be would be an opportunity for you to reflect God's faithfulness. What would it be? What it would be would be an opportunity for you to sing praises and hymns at midnight like Paul and Silas did. What it would be would be an opportunity to show the faithfulness of God in your life and stand and reflect the light of Jesus Christ so brightly, even to the point of death. Because here's the truth, church. This world can take our physical body and this life that we live on this earth, but they can never take our spiritual life. They can never take our eternity, our, our eternity away. They can never take our eternal, eternal life. And God finishes that verse, says, and I will give you life as your victor's crown. I will give you the crown of life if you're faithful. Church, we must reflect God's faithfulness. The third one is His holiness. This one, to me, was maybe one of the hardest ones because God calls us to be holy, and I know how hard that is because I think about people, and I think about God, and I think about God's holiness, and I can only really examine my own life. I don't know, you know what's in your heart. I don't know what's going on in your own life. I can only examine mine, but when I examine mine and I compare that to the holiness of God, I just find myself coming up way short. And yet we are called by God to be reflections of even His holiness. 1 Peter 1, 15, 16 says, But just as He who called you is holy so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Does anybody hear that and go, I can do that? I mean, does anybody hear that verse and look at that verse and reflect on that verse and go, yeah, God says do that. I can do that. I think I'm going to get that one down pat. I think I'm going to have this one, you know, just right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reflect God's holiness. I'm going to be holy just because he's holy and because he's told me because, you know, be holy as I am holy. I don't know about you, but that's a tough one for me. But that's what God calls us to, and we serve a holy God. We serve a holy God, and we serve a perfect God. And, and church, I don't know that we'll ever be completely holy like God is holy this side of heaven. You know, it's like Sam would be perfect this side of heaven. You know, I don't know that we ever will, but I think as I said a couple of weeks ago, are we closer today than we were, you know, last week? Are we closer today than we were five years ago or ten years ago? What about our holiness? What about the, the reflection of our lives? 
And you know, here's the thing about holiness. Sometimes the world looks at Christians and they have this term for, for believers, holier than thou. That guy's holier than thou. You know, he has this whole holier than thou attitude. And basically what they're saying is they're looking at believers, they're looking at Christians, they're looking at people they know that are believers, and those believers, what they're reflecting is, I'm better than you attitude. I'm holier than you, and you're less than because you're not as holy as I am. Can I tell you that if you've ever had that thought of somebody's not as holy as I am, then you probably have some issues about your holiness yourself, okay? But I want to tell you, church, holiness is on the inside. It's not on the outside. Jesus did not go around telling people, listen, I'm holy. He did not go around telling the Pharisees, look, y'all are, you know, way less than I am because I'm so much holier than you are. He just lived the life of holiness. And that's what he calls us to do, church, is live a life of holiness. Now, he can tell us as he has been ascended into heaven and he's here with us wherever we go and he walks with us and he talks with us and, he, and, and, and all the things in the presence of God can, can invade and pervade every part of our lives. He can say to us, be holy because I'm holy. And I remember telling a story a couple of weeks ago about the kid coming home from Sunday school and saying, if God's bigger than us, and he's inside of us, shouldn't he show through? Right? Remember that? He should show through, and that includes his holiness. But church, just because you fail at something doesn't mean you stop trying. What is the saying? If at first you don't succeed, give up? No. Try, try again. If we fail at reflecting God's holiness, then stop. Stop where you are. Go back to God for that forgiveness that I talked about in the first place and then get started again down the path toward holiness. Get started down the path of reflecting whatever it is that God is, is, is showing us. Never give up. Never give up on striving and trying to be holy. 2 Peter 3.10-12 says, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. Can I tell you, church, that we are closer to, this, that, to that day than we've ever been before? And I believe that because we are closer to the day of the Lord than we have ever been before, then it becomes even that much more important for us to live holy and godly lives, to reflect who Jesus Christ is, to reflect who God is, to have an impact on the world around us. to be an influencer on those that we know, on those that we love. Can you imagine if somebody had done some terribly wrong things to you and to your family, what their reaction would be if you walked up and said, listen, 
I know we haven't seen eye to eye on whatever it is. I know there's been some things happen. But I just want you to know that I'm praying for you. Not having that whole, I am praying for you. You know, kind of holier than thou attitude that gives that bad taste in so many unbelievers' mouths. But have a, even a just a, just I want you to know. I want you to know that I'm a believer. God has forgiven me and I'm praying for you. Whatever it is. And they may cop an attitude with, you know what? You don't need to pray for me, whatever. I don't, that's not up to you. What's up to you is you. What's up to you is your approach to reflecting God. What's up to you is, is how you reflect the glory of God and the forgiveness of God and the holiness of God and the forgiveness of, you know, all those things that we're talking about here. <laughs> I start getting them all mixed up in my head. It's how we reflect God and the life that he lived. That's what's up to us. How holy is God? Revelation 4.8 says, Each of the four living creatures had six wings, and was covered with eyes all around, even under his wings. Day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Church, God is holy, and we need to reflect that holiness in our lives. Doesn't mean that if we fail, then we're done. It means that if we fail, pull ourselves up, we pray to the Lord, we ask for his forgiveness, and then we start again. And that's not just his holiness, that's his forgiveness. It's also his faithfulness. It's all the other things. It's his word, you know, reflecting his word, his light, his glory, his love. It's all the things that we've talked about already because we're going to fail. I mean, I hate to tell you this, but we're going to fail. That's not a prophecy thing. That's just a reality thing. You know, I'm not trying to speak failure into your life. Not at all. I want to speak holiness and faithfulness and forgiveness into your life. And that's what I'm all about this morning. That I'm telling you that when we fail, don't let it get you down. And the enemy would try to say, you are a failure. Who are you to think you can live faithful? Who are you to think you can forgive those who persecute you? Who are you to even think that you can approach the holiness of God, and he will try to, to throw things on you. And, 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 you know, Dan was, and I were talking this morning, he was saying, you know, that, that devil on, your, on your, your shoulder trying to whisper things into your ear and temptations, and the enemy knows our weaknesses. And he will use them against us. And he will speak those, you're a failure, you're a failure. You should never even think about trying to reflect God. But the truth is, if it's coming out of his mouth, it's a lie. Jesus said the devil is a liar and, and, and lying is his native tongue. And he speaks it well. So if he's telling you, if you're hearing those things in your heart and in your mind, can I tell you they're not from God ever. God does not use condemnation. That doesn't he use doesn't use some conviction sometimes when we've sinned but it's not condemnation because when God points out our sins he's pointing it out with forgiveness and he's pointing it out so that we can stop receive forgiveness move forward in in, in glory and in holiness and in faithfulness 
God is calling us this morning to be a reflection of all these things. We rely on God to be these things for us. We not only to reflect these things, we need to reflect them through our lives to the world out there to be an influencer, to be an impact on a world that just is walking in darkness. They're walking in darkness, church. We were once in the dark, but now we are in the light. They need to be transformed from darkness to light. And we need to reflect that. And none of this, church, is of our own strength. None of this is done in our own strength. And I, I think I mentioned, you know, a couple weeks ago about, you know, a sermon that I'd done a long time ago about the moon and how the moon reflects the sun. And we need to reflect the S-O-N sun. Well, that's absolutely true. And the moon shines bright. I mean, we, they, we, they sing songs about the full moon, right? Because it's so bright. And we've had a few, you know, very bright harvest moon, full moon kinds of things going on here. And we look at the moon and we see that it's shining so bright. But I can tell you, church, the moon has no light of its own. None. It does not generate any light of its own. It only reflects the sun. It only reflects what happens when the sun hits the moon and the moon reflects that light to us and we get to glory in the light of the moon. But think about it this way. When the moon is full and when the moon is so bright, when the moon is being very effective at reflecting the light of the sun, why is that? Why does that happen that way? It happens because there's nothing blocking the sun from hitting the moon. There's nothing in the way. And yet, what happens? Pretty soon the full moon becomes a little bit less and becomes a little bit less and becomes a little bit less and maybe we have a half a moon, then we have that crescent moon, then we have the little sliver of a moon. Why is it not reflecting that light? Because the earth is blocking the sun. It's blocking the light from the sun from hitting the moon and the moon cannot reflect the light to us anymore. And I love spiritual illustrations from the natural world, from, from nature. And I love that because what that says to me is that our God, who is a designer of everything and who created everything, created things even in nature to speak to us. So I guess my question this morning is what's blocking you from reflecting God's holiness and God's faithfulness and God's forgiveness. Is there anything in your life that's keeping you from doing that? Because I'm telling you, God wants you to reflect like the full moon. God wants you to reflect every bit of light that is available to you. And we get it from not the S-U-N, but the S-O-N. From Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. That's where we get our light and church. He's calling us to receive that light and then to share that light. To, to receive that light and then to reflect it. I don't know what effect the sun, the natural sun has on the natural moon. I don't know what it does to it. Obviously it warms it up, does some things. But I can tell you the effect that the light of the Son of God has tremendous impact on our lives. And we need to just 
let that impact permeate every part of our lives and then let that impact reflect to the world. Amen? Amen. Amen.